Welcome to the Inside Podcast number three. Yeah, number three already. How about that? Got a great show today lined up with Mr. Brian of the Crawford Cramps. Uh, great, great lengthy interview. You guys are going to love it. Promise. Uh, looking forward to you hearing it, to your reactions, um, and having a good time doing this show. And uh, I'm glad it's going well. And we're going to keep it up as long as you're listening and as long as you guys enjoy it. So I uh, appreciate the positive feedback so far. And, uh, you know, here we are, number three, again, with Mike and Scotty. But first, let's rock! BDL, welcome to the Inside Pod number three. Mike, we are on number three already, my friend. Probably one more than most people thought we'd get through, so we're doing good. That this is true, including including uh, yours truly. <laughs> Me too, honestly. We're doing pretty good. <laughs> we're doing pretty good. Not 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 too shabby. Not too shabby. Yeah. So, guys, we have a really great show uh, for you today. We just uh, wrapped up a, a lengthy interview with with Brian of the Cramps, a really cool story Brian has uh, to share uh, his, his last two years or uh, two years or so on the campaign trail. Uh, and then of course, kind of looking at, at the current state of the Crawford Cramps, um, uh, what 2021 might look like for his club. And I think you guys are uh, really going to enjoy it. Had a great, had a great time with this interview, Mike. It was fun. It was fun. And, and, and I think the late add on, of kind of quick thoughts on all the managers. I think everyone's going to get a kick out of those. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> or some, or maybe some bones. Some might, some might, some might leave. We may have some vacancies soon. Matt, we need your, we need your unverified Twitter again, sir. <laughs> uh, help us record. Hey. You're back in again. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Not Con- Okay. We cannot continue to bring up Connor on this podcast. No more Connor talk. Earn, earn, you around, buddy? <sighs> well, we got through three. We might not get through four. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, yeah. So looking at looking at just uh, um, headlines this this weekend, Mike, um, got me thinking. What what would impeachment look like in the BDL? Hmm. That'll be interesting because just like the Senate, I can't imagine we get two thirds of us to agree on anything. So, uh, hmm. you have a be, point. That would be really hard to get someone thrown out if we had to do impeachments. You have, you have, you have a point. Maybe we should look at that. Yeah, you know what? It's a couple of managers in our league might be a little worried right about now. Chris, <laughs> I think Chris would be safe. <laughs> I think Chris will be safe. <laughs> I am not. I am not going further down this path. I'm sorry. You'll sneak out like an eight seven vote. You'll be you'll be okay. <laughs> just just like the VI. <laughs> yeah. You'll be alright. <laughs> oh gosh. Good times. Good and speaking times of politics. <laughs> Listen. If there's one thing we're not going to do on this show, it's politics. There no. will be no politics no, on the not. inside pod ever. 
outlawed. Nope. No politics. Except maybe not for this it. next 90-minute interview. Yeah, except mm. for that. <laughs> Are you telling me we let that happen? You know what? We might have snuck in one question. Man. Maybe. I do remember Brian talking about how much he loved The Last President. That that I know yeah. came up. That came up very, a little bit. Very controversial segment. We'll probably tr- uh, trend on Twitter. Um on, on Brian's verified Twitter account. Yeah. Uh, he he will reshare this this pod uh for the world to see. But uh you know, if one thing is for sure, it's that the cramps are unimpeachable. Let me think about that. You disagree? <laughs> yeah, think about that one. <laughs> unimpeachable. Hmm. Just like that lady. They needed no. Sorry, sorry. It wasn't a lady. Just, just like the other members of council that needed the dictionary that time. I really got to think about the definition of unimpeachable when I think of the cramps. <laughs> I, I, I might have just made 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 up that word. I'm not sure yeah. if it actually works. I have to analyze that. Unimpe. Well, whatever. Okay, guys, you're gonna you're really gonna enjoy this interview with the mayor of the BDL himself, Mr. Brian of the Crawford Cramps. Uh, really good time. Hope you enjoy it. I know you will. So let's throw to Brian. Now, Brian, Mr. Crampy Cramp himself, the only guy in the BDL with a verified Twitter account. Take that, Matt Eddy. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you joining the show. It's been uh, it's been a while. I think since we've heard from you um, on any of our media uh, shows. Of course, I guess it's been a while since we've heard from <laughs> most everyone, <laughs> with the exception of uh, Zach and Alex lately. But uh, yeah, looking forward to this. I'm glad you could make time for us today. But um, yeah, all kidding aside, though, I, I want to go down this path a little bit. You you weren't always a verified Twitter kind of guy. You've been on quite. <laughs> the journey, you know, these last 24 months or so to get there. So I was kind of hoping we could, uh, we could start things off by, by talking about that a little bit. You, you have served as uh, mayor pro tem for the city of Mills river, North Carolina since what, 2017. Am I 20? Yeah. 2017. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm sure that in and of itself has been an uh, experience, but setting that aside, Following that run, by the fall of 2019, give or take a few months, President Trump had apparently driven you completely insane because you decided to run for state Senate in North Carolina's 48th senatorial district. Um, so just to set the proper tone for, the, for the, this portion of the interview, I'd like to kick things off with a simple question. Are the cramps not keeping you busy enough? <laughs> Apparently not. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I tend to jump into things head first, um, for sure. Uh, you know, running for, for office in Mills River was was kind of a, an outlet for some political frustration that I was feeling. And before we get into this, I just have to apologize because this is not going to be nearly as interesting as the recent K-pop conversation you guys had. <laughs> You know, well, I listen to that. And I was just fun like, of you, Brian. Don't worry. I was so fascinated. I'm like, what? I mean, I know my daughter's in that stuff, and I don't really understand it. But, 
wow <laughs> i mean we have a, a league member who's like way into k-pop that is just like some serious stuff uh but no i fan. um he's a huge fan brian apparently and and you know um Somebody, uh, I think, posted a, a picture of his uh, supposed bedroom with all the posters around, and, and I just thought it was hysterical. Um, it's really funny, um, but yeah, that, that you know, people in the in the league all have different hobbies and whatever. And uh, unfortunately, you know, or, or fortunately, however you want to uh, go about it, um, I, I've gotten involved in politics a little bit. Uh, my decision to run in Mills River was essentially just like political frustration overall. Um, that was right after the 2016 election. And I, I told Stacy, my wife, I said, you know, I don't care if the next election is for dog catcher. I feel like I have to run for something and just try to give back to the community. It didn't help that I went to a town council meeting and there were essentially five guys sitting up at the front of the room and uh, none of them None of them could figure out uh, what it meant to take something on contingency. And I am not kidding you. <laughs> I mean, I, you're, as a member of the audience, you're not allowed to speak. And I'm just like, like pulling my hair. Like, <laughs> really, you guys have spent um, 40 minutes talking about what it means and you can't understand what it means for an attorney to take something on contingency. That's just... It, you couple that with a with an outrageous tax hike in the community, and that's reason enough to run right there. Um, but you know, dictionary apparently. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> that's why they have the tax hike. They have to pay for the dictionary to find out what contingency meant. I live in a very red area. It's very old school. Um, people are very accustomed to being conservative in uh, every way, shape, and form. Um, I was actually the first Democrat to win a seat in the town of Mills River um, and the town has existed since 2003. So we've had a, a number of councils that have been all Republican and um, I'm, I'm happy to say that we've actually gotten a ton done on the council. Um, we have added so much industrial jobs to this community, uh, so, so many industrial jobs I should say. Um, we just recently got an Amazon distribution center. We have, of course, Sierra Nevada. They're located here in Mills River. Um, if you ever had a Bold Rock Cider, um, they are not only bottled in Mills River, and they have a tasting room and a facility here, but they're also made out of apples that are grown in this county. So uh, Mills River is really growing in a very big way. We're adding tons of jobs. Uh, we have installed solar panels on every town-owned building, which in a conservative area, you, you would think, whoa, whoa, how did you do that, right? Um, basically, what it comes down to is convincing those folks on the conservative side of the aisle that they're going to save money if they go with something that is also green and friendly to the environment. So we were able to do that, and, and people call me from all over Western North Carolina saying, okay. I'm thinking about solar panels. How on earth did you get past your council? So, you know, things like that. We're putting electric car chargers in our town park, um, doing a lot of things that I think make us really stand out. And so um, that led to me deciding to make a run for North Carolina State Senate. Again, I'm in a very red district. Our maps are gerrymandered. I had no thoughts that I would win, uh, but 
We still raised um, $116,000. We forced my opponent to spend $481,000 beating me. And we damaged him very badly in the process. I mean, if I showed you guys the mailers that we sent out attacking him, um, he, he's, he's kind of damaged goods right now. And uh, so, you know, um, when you when you go into something and you figure, okay, my chances of winning are slim, but let's create some opportunities and make them spend some money. And they've never had to do that in this district before. Um, we might create some opportunities for victories elsewhere. And so I, th I think we did that. And so I was pretty happy with the way that campaign ran. You know, Brian, coming, coming from a, a region of the country that, that is very reliant on uh, extraction industries, coal, natural gas, uh, yeah, those things, right. you know, I, I can, I can talk all day long about, about solar and, and, and those, those things just, just, uh, from, from being around the, that, that narrative for, for so sure. why, why, do you, why do you think, why do you think that that becomes a partisan topic that becomes a partisan issue, uh, conservative, liberal? I mean, it's, it's, it's energy, <laughs> you know, it's solar. And, and I know that's a very simplistic question, but you know, I, I, it's just ludicrous to me that, that these things become, uh, become so party line. It is silly, right? But I mean, you can go back to Jimmy Carter and sold solar panels on the roof of the White House, and the first thing Ronald Reagan did was take them off. Yeah. And I don't understand that concept at all because solar panels are the most passive way to collect energy. I have them on my house, um, and and I'll I'll just say the company we used. I tell people this all the time. The company we used in Mills River to put put solar panels on the town buildings uh, had nothing to do with the company that I chose to install them on my house. There was no <laughs> sweetheart deal or anything like that. Uh, we just, you know, we just decided that, uh, hey, it was going to increase the value of our home. It was going to decrease our electric bills going forward. And it was therefore worth the investment. But right. I, I know, think in, the municipality in, should be doing that too. And in, in, in my area, I live in such a mountainous region that it's, it's, difficult for solar infrastructure to really work well because not not most of your buildings receive um you know enough <laughs> hours of, of direct sunlight every day for it to uh you know function um properly um but that that's a that's a uh, an issue that's exclusive to this area uh you know if if if, if it can work you know why not pursue it you know it is it is it's renewable energy um, kind of makes sense, right? But yeah, absolutely. Um, for for Mills River, I think one of the things that really makes it work is that we're in a valley, and it's a fairly broad, wide valley, um, susceptible to right. flooding quite a bit. Um, but uh, our solar panels get sun all day long, every day. You know, if the sun's out, we're collecting, and that yeah, yeah. that defrays our energy costs by seventy seven percent. And when you tell people that, they're like, "Wait, what?" It's like, yeah. And it also protects us against any future rate hikes because, you know, you can't really trust Duke Energy, which is the um, energy corporation that yeah. that basically harvests and, and sells energy in our area um, because they're in the pocket of the legislature, you know, and, right. and uh, it's, it's just it's bad news. Yeah, the, the, the south end of my house gets about um, two or three hours of direct sunlight per day. But, of course, we live in a forest. <laughs> basically so <laughs> it, it is what it is uh but so 
tell me this, a, a district wide campaign um, is a, obviously it's a huge time commitment across, you know, at least a year of campaigning. Um, give us a, give us a peek into what a single week looked like on the campaign trail. How many, how many stops, how many miles on your car, how many, uh, how many babies tossed into the air? That sort of thing. <laughs> well, I, I think it would be a lot worse in a normal year, but remember we're coming out of, out of a COVID year. Um, so it was, it was very, a, kind of a bizarre campaign in a lot of ways. It was um, a lot of Zoom calls. Um, when we did have an event, we tried to be very respectful of, of people and make sure that we had lots of social distancing and we'd do something outside. Um, but it was, it was really tough to get in front of people in the same way. Uh, we did have two debates uh, scheduled, and um, I, I basically beat my opponent around in both of those debates um, rather badly. He was not expecting the kind of uh, questions that I was asking, and, and I, I do my research. And so I, I beat him pretty good, um, just punched him around and had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, he wanted to schedule a third debate that would be in person and would be in front of a white audience in Hendersonville. And at the same time, he was canceling a scheduled debate in front of the NAACP. And I said, look, if you want to debate me in front of your group of white people, you've also got to debate me in front of people of color. And he wouldn't do that. So we canceled the third debate. Um, I ended up, you know, it's funny, the win, our, our win number that we had going into this was 50,000 votes in the district. And we, we came a little shy of that number, but still very, very close to it. I think I had 48,000 votes, um, which in a normal year is enough to win this district. But the interest level on both sides was so high um, that we, we did, <laughs> my opponent did end up having a significant amount of votes uh, more than I did. And I will say I was not all that disappointed to lose because Democrats did not take the majority in Raleigh and Raleigh is five hours from here. And so being out there half the time uh, and being in the minority would not be fun at all. Um, so if, if, you know, if, if you want to make uh, lemons, lemonade out of lemons, uh, there you go. Sure thing. How did you, how did you weave your BDL commitments in, into that kind of schedule last year? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, I, the BDL is, is basically the, the only league. I mean, I'm in a, a league with, uh, with Joe and, and a few other members of the league as well, uh, the Safe at Home League, and I, I, I enjoy that a lot. It's a lower-profile commitment, I think, than the BDL is, just because I think that the folks in that league are a little bit more relaxed. Oh, but, um, you're talking about the, the league where Joe has to go to win a title. <laughs> yeah. he's um, Or am I mistaken? He, no. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got it right. <laughs> um, okay. But, you know, people there, are, it's a, it's a, it's a serious league too, but it's not, it's not the same kind of dedication. I don't think um, on the part of, the majority of the owners um, as the BDL. Um, so it's, it's still, you know, even I would be checking my roster and making sure I had things set up late at night. And, and it, it may be that uh, being distracted, I made a trade or two I wish I had back. But other than that, um, I was able to keep up with it pretty well. 
<laughs> well, three cheers for Joe and, and his low-key championships in, in the whatever league He was so is. close last year, Scott. He was so close. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Joe. Poor Joe. Uh, so I worked in, in local news, Brian, long enough to know what a – what a small town campaign rally looks like. I, you know, I'm sure whether virtual or, or some of the events that you were able to get in, um, you, you, you have a few good stories or two from, from your time on the trail from, from those kinds of events. Uh, can you, can you share a couple with us? Oh yeah. And you know, it was interesting because when I first announced and we started um, really getting into the campaign and I, I was primaried by the way, um, I had a couple of, of young, younger candidates who primaried me. And um, so we had to run a full-on primary campaign uh, and primary course was in March. Um, won that primary uh, with 50% of the vote. The other the other two candidates split the remaining 50%. But, you know, you're, you're campaigning hard and you're really, this was pre-COVID, so you're out there getting in front of a lot of people. And there was one episode that really kind of stands out in my mind because um, one of the things you can do to strengthen your campaign is you can sort of make alliances with other candidates and hold joint events. And so one of my good friends is Sam Edney, and he was running for state house um, out here in Transylvania County, which is the next county over. And we decided that uh, what we were going to do is we're going to have an oyster roast, and we're going to do it at a bar in Brevard and very close to uh, the Brevard College, college campus. So we we're trying to get students um, both to get involved with our campaigns and come over and, and ha- drink a few beers with us and see that we're cool dudes and you know have some oysters and just have a good time and, and get interested in, in our campaigns. Well, this thing ran late. Uh, it happened to coincide with, with one of the Democratic uh, debates that was taking place at the time. And so everybody's watching on TV and drinking beer and, and having oysters. And uh, as the crowd starts to thin out a little bit, there was a, a woman who had been there the entire night, a little bit older, and I'm talking to everybody. And she co- comes over to me and she says, you know, I just, I, I really like you. And I said, well, I, I, th- I appreciate that. That's great. Thank you. And um, she said, but there's one thing I'm really having a hard time with. And I said, okay, what, what's that? And she said, there's just, there's something about, I'm finding you to be just a little bit inauthentic. <laughs> nail on that head, didn't you? And I, and I said, <laughs> well, I said, you know, as somebody who has been in this community and, and I'm an elected official and, and I really think that I kind of identify with the electorate and what they want, I said, that's a, that sounds like a serious problem to me. I said, can you, can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Cause I'm, I'm concerned. And she said, well, she said, to be honest, it, 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 it's your hair. And I said, what about my hair? She said, it's just, it's just, it's, you know, you've got this great haircut. You wear a, t- a coat and a tie and you, you, your hair is just too perfect. She said, you just look a little bit too slick. And she said, I, I think what it comes down to is you use too much product in your hair. <laughs> and so I'm standing there and I'm, I'm kind of looking around and I'm like, okay, so I think there's only one way for me to convince you that I don't wear product in my hair. And she says, yeah, I think that's about right. So I leaned over and I just kind of bent my head 
towards this woman and she took her fingers and she ran them all through my hair like like she's like scruffing a, a dog's head you know and and then she like takes a step back and she folds her arms she, she looks at me and, and she says okay you've got my vote because <laughs> in fact i did not have any product in my hair <laughs> it was just one of those things you're just like okay did i just actually let that person do that <laughs> And two weeks later, that person died of COVID, sadly. I know. know. (laughs) Probably true. Who knows? I mean, she was elderly, but uh, I I was really just like, um, you have to be kidding me. I mean, of all the things you have to do on the campaign trail, you have to give speeches, you have to shake hands, you have to talk to a lot of people that, you know, have gotcha questions or are, you can tell clearly are Republican plants and they're coming and tape recording you and and all this kind of thing they're definitely working for the opposition but this woman was just very concerned about my hair and that was it (laughs) priorities yeah absolutely the oyster roast was a great success otherwise tell us about (laughs) well you know one of the good things about western north carolina i think it's getting to be this way pretty much everywhere is we have great beer I mean, we have clean water, we have mountains, we've got great beer. And uh, so anytime you can hold an event at a brewery, people are going to show up. And that, you know, so that's one of my takeaways from the uh, the primary campaign and, and the, the general election campaign is hold your events at breweries and you're going to get a whole lot more people than you would otherwise. We have more and more of those popping up around here too. Yeah, I think it's great for the economy. Um, and it, let's face it, I mean, like I'll, I'll go down to Sierra Nevada a lot of times and just sit down and have a beer. It tastes so much different and so much better than if you bought a bottle of the same beer and, and had it ice cold or what have you. I mean, there's just no difference. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. There's just, you can't compare the two. Um, that's just crazy. So Brian, as you, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit, earlier you you ran on the blue ticket in a predominantly red part of the country in fact i think only one far western county in north carolina was was captured by the biden harris ticket last fall um i have to say in my neck of the woods the party that usually swims upstream you know usually puts forth nothing more than a sacrificial lamb in these elections <laughs> yeah. um I, I i know you well enough to know you wouldn't have pursued the nomination in the first place just to become a token candidate. So just in a, in a few, in a, in a few sentences, why did this matter so much to you? Well, to do <clears throat> we were in it to win it. I will, I'll just tell you that. Um, it was not a situation where I went into this thinking, okay, I'm going to lose and I'll just try to get my message out there. Um, I ran to win and you know, it, you realize that's a very tough thing to do just based on the, the demographics. I think this this district breaks down to be like an R12, which means it leans Republican by 12 percentage points. Um, obviously, there's a lot of votes among people who are unaffiliated. In the primary, I captured 70% of those votes, people who were unaffiliated. And so that's why I, I basically walked away with the primary. Um but uh, the message that we really wanted to get out there was talk about 
the inequities in North Carolina. And, and North Carolina, unfortunately, has been used as a sort of a, a test lab for some of the cruelest policies you can think of. Um, the Koch brothers have been heavily involved in North Carolina politics. Um, they have convinced the General Assembly to cut unemployment benefits. They have uh, encouraged them to cut people's Medicaid benefits. Um, even things, conservative ideas like the earned income tax credit, which is great for lifting people up out of poverty. They have convinced the General Assembly that that is a bad idea. And that, that is a Ronald Reagan idea. To, just to show you how far right uh, the state has gone and the influence that some of these um, really um, horribly corrupt uh, influencers have on our state's politics. So I wanted to expose that. My opponent, matter of fact, had taken a lot of money from uh, from a guy um, uh, named Ron Cameron. And he he's just a... Um, a real bad dude. <laughs> he uh, runs chicken processing plants, uh, employs a lot of um, minimum wage workers, um, um, people who are here perhaps on a, a basis that is less than legal. Um, and he actually paid a quarter of a million dollars to various legislative candidates so that they would insert language that protected his business against any kind of COVID um, hmm. issues. So if you worked in one of his plants and you got sick with COVID, you could not sue despite the fact that he was taking zero precautions. And, and you know, if you work in a one of these chicken processing plants, you're working elbow to elbow with people. It's very yeah. difficult to maintain any kind of social distancing or anything like that. And to pay so that uh, you know you can basically abuse a system and abuse your employees and things like that. Pretty disgusting. So, just speaking for for me, I, I'm not sure I consider myself um, less politically minded compared to other times in my life right now, um, but I am very dejected about the political landscape in the United States. Um, true moderates, in my opinion, are largely voiceless right now and, and have been for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Um, I know, Brian, you're a, you're a common sense guy, and I'd love to know if and when you encounter someone like me on the campaign trail, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure that you did, what, what do you say to that person to convince them that there's still hope to reach common political ground in this country. If you, if you look at them in the eye and say, turn off Sean Hannity and, and turn off Rachel Maddow, pretend they don't exist because this over here, this is actually how we get there. What, what is this? What is that thing? Yeah, you're 100% correct. I mean, I think there's a ton of space in the middle for moderates and I consider myself to be probably center left. Um, having you know had past conversations about politics with you, I would say you're probably center right. But still, I think most people find themselves in the political center, and there's a lot of confusion because everything you hear comes from the, the left or the right, and that's what gets the most um, airtime right now. And it's it's frustrating. 
And so one of the things that I um, did, and I'll tell you about a, an experience I had during early voting during the primaries um, in, in North Carolina, if you're an unaffiliated voter, you can vote either Dem- for the Democratic ticket or for the Republican ticket. You can go in and tell them, this time I'm voting um, uh, Republican. I want to choose my candidates on the Republican side. Or you, you come back the next time and say, I want to vote on the Democratic ballot. So there are a lot of people, an increasing number of people who are unaffiliated. And that doesn't mean that they're in the middle necessarily. It just means that they want to have that option of voting um, on either either ballot. And one guy that I ran into at, at early voting, he came up to me and he said, hey, you're a candidate? And I said, yeah. And he said, you know, um, I have never voted before. He said, I'm, I'm unaffiliated, but um, I really don't know which direction to go. Actually, you know what? He told me he had voted once. He told me he voted for Donald Trump and nobody else in 2016. He said, you know, I just, you know, I thought he represented guys like me. And, and it turns out that I think I got fooled. He said, what, what do you tell me what, what I should do? And I said, well, let me just tell you, you know, just standing here talking to you. Um, let me, let me, let me ask you a few questions. And I asked him where he worked and he told me that he really didn't have a full-time job and he had been, he had done construction work and gotten hurt on the job. And I said, well, do you have Medicaid? And he said, no, I would love to, but I just, I can't. I can't earn enough to be in the marketplace and, and I earn a little bit mowing yards and stuff like that. And said, so I'm, I'm in that gap where I, I don't have medical insurance. And I said, well, you need to get in there and pull a democratic ballot and vote for every Democrat you can find. I said, because Democrats actually care about you. Now I'm not going to say that Republicans don't, but I will tell you that Republicans are a whole lot more interested in, who's going to grease their palms, especially in a state where they already have the power and they don't have to worry about, you know, small fry like, like me or you. I said, so, you know, that's really, I think what you should be focused on is who's got your, your interests and your, your benefit in mind. And, uh, I, I just, in a state where Republicans hold all the power and all the cards, you, you have to, you have to start looking for alternatives. And so, he did. He went in and he came out and said, "Hey, I voted for you and I pulled a Democratic ballot." But I think, you know, getting that message out there to people, you know, to stop thinking along party lines and, "Oh, I am a Republican, therefore I'm going to vote for Republicans," or "I'm a Democrat, therefore I'm going to vote for Democrats," or "I like this guy because he was on a TV show," or "I like this guy because you know he, he was best friends with a black guy." I think we have to get away from that kind of identity politics and get more towards people understanding which party or very specifically which candidate is going to be looking out for their best interest. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And, um, you know, you're, you're right. I, I probably am a little bit right of, of center socially. I, I'm certainly left of center, um, on, on a lot of environmental issues. Um, mm-hmm. It just, you know, there, there's not a lot of conversation to be had um, down that center aisle right now. And, you know, when you look left and you look right and everyone is not not everyone, that's 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 a being too, too, too dramatic. But too, too many um, are so far left or so far right that they're it's it's to me as someone who, who 
who is more of a moderate. It's it's just so unrelatable, um, and, and it's very disheartening. And I I don't I, I wonder, uh, you know, Mike, you're a of course you're 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 a uh, you're you're a northerner um, there in the in the land of igloos, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I don't know I don't know what you guys look down here and and wonder sometimes when you see. Um, I mean, things happening on both sides of of the aisle. Uh, it has to look like complete and utter nonsense. It we we watch U.S. news for comedy programming at this point. <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it's it, it's almost sad, honestly. What's happened? I'm a bit of a bit of a political junkie, uh, to be honest. When I went to school, it was politics and economics. Uh, I by American standards, politically, I would be a lefty. People would call me a lefty by American standards. What 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 amazes me is is I watched a couple of the, the the Democratic primary debates, and at one point they asked the question of who here is against providing single payer health care to illegal immigrants. I think that was the exact wording of the question, and every person on that stage raised their hand and said they would be for that. And I'm watching this and I'm like, at what point did the Democrats go left of Canada? Because that would be considered a way left position up here, and Justin Trudeau would be thrown out of power if he ever said something like that. And I'm like, that's strange. But we look at the Republicans and think they're insane. And it's like, so basically, the voters in America are being given the option of the most crazy people on the left running the Democratic Party, the most crazy people on the right running, well, you know, in charge of the other party. It's like, these don't seem like really attractive options for anybody. And you have to pick one of these two. And that, that's always kind of frightened me a little bit. Um, like, to be honest, the people that I liked on the Democrat side were Klobuchar. I thought Amy Klobuchar was really good. I liked Tulsi Gabbard. I thought Joe Biden was all right. I didn't like anybody else on that stage. And again, I would be considered a, a lefty by American standards, and I barely liked anybody on that stage. And there wasn't anybody on stage for the Republicans that I ever liked. <laughs> and I'm like, I can only imagine what the American voter goes through every four years when they're given the options that they're given. And I still remember being in Niagara Falls, New York, during the 2016 election. And this was right before uh, your vote there. And I was at a bar, and this, this older gentleman looked at me and said, I assume you're, you're Canadian, right? And they're, yeah, you know, I had a Canada sweatshirt and a leaf hat on or something. And he asked me what our prime minister was like. And I said, well, he's kind of boring and competent. And he turns around to me and says, boring and competent would get 80% of the vote right now. And I just started laughing. He's there, we're, we're dying for boring and competent right about now. And honestly, I think that's kind of why Biden won. I think there's enough people that just kind of think he's boring and competent. And to be honest, after the four years show that you guys have had, I can see why he won the last election. Yeah, Did I ever well, tell I you just, guys? Cool. Sorry. Right. I, I was just going to make a comment real quick. Um, did, I, did I ever tell you guys about the smartest couple that I have met in the last four or five years? You have not? I don't I, think so. Guessing not. Okay. Um, my fam- Right after the 2016 election, uh, my family went to London and then we spent a few days in Paris, just like a um, nine day trip, just jet over there, see everything we can see as quick as we can. And then, and then zip back home. Well, one of the nights that we were in London, we went into a pub and we're sitting there having dinner and, you know, typical fish and chips and beer and that sort of thing. And, and this couple from a, a, joint, a nearby table, they said, Hey, you guys are Americans. We, we hear your accent. You, do you mind if we come sit with you? 
And we're like, sure, come on. And, and come to find out, this guy and his wife, um, they were from New Jersey. And my wife being from New York, so there was like that immediate you know, connection. And so we're having a, a really, really nice conversation with these people. And we said, where are you guys going? Are you just hanging out here? Are you, you know, when do you go back home? And they said, well, we're, we're not going back home. Uh, matter of fact, we're moving to Spain. And I said, wow, moving to Spain, that's, that's got to be a, a big life decision. And the guy said, um, well, actually, he said, I owned a construction company in New Jersey. And we, we had dealings with Donald Trump. And the guy jammed me for about $800,000. And he said, so when that guy got elected, I decided I'm folding everything up. I'm selling everything I own and we're moving to Spain. And there's been so many times over the last four years when I've thought about this couple and thought those people were so freaking smart because they haven't had to put up with any of this. You know, American news does not dominate uh, the airwaves in Europe the same way it does here. I'm like, all of the stresses and like the PTSD that I have felt over the last four years, they haven't, <laughs> they haven't had to deal with any of that stuff. I mean, these people are brilliant in my mind, but. Anyway, uh, not to not to digress too much, but I, I think about those folks often. Well, it's it's just it's just very disheartening to me that more emphasis seems to be placed now on just being right and trying yeah, to prove right. that you're right on on a particular issue than just respecting each other and and, and recognizing that different backgrounds different upbringings, different walks of life result in different points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there, there, there is no black and white. You know, these are, we're talking about very gray issues and th- this happens from both directions constantly, right and left. I mean, there, there's no, you know, there, there is no, you know, one, one sect is, is throwing darts and the other is just absorbing those darts. I mean, it's, it's a crossfire very much so of, of, of that kind of disrespect. And, you know, I just look at the BDL. You know, and, and, you know, we, we have always had such a, a wide collection uh, of people of varying viewpoints, politically, socially, um, you know, just across the board. And, you know, that hasn't stopped us from getting along, getting together in oh, person sure. right. and, and, and just, and just, and just embracing each other as human beings and, and, and bonding, bonding over something common like baseball, you know. That 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 bridge of of commonality, though, it's just so much now. You know, if you just open your Twitter feed, it's you know you get all all these verified accounts. No disrespect, Brian. All these verified <laughs> Twitter accounts that are that are just encouraging that base to burn that bridge. Just yeah. burn it, set it right. on fire. And and I, I think that is so incredibly sad. And and it, it puts us on a on a very very dangerous path in this, in this country and, and internationally. Um, and it, it just, uh, it just, it makes me really, it makes me really fear, um, you know, for, for the, the country, the environment that, that my children are going to inherit. Well, I think it, I think it really speaks to what a special group we have in the BDL when you just consider, you know, the last couple of weeks I and mean, we're just, just getting ready to kick off the draft. And, and that's obviously kind of a high stress time for everybody because you, you've done all your research and now it's, it's, it's go time, right? And we had a couple of medical emergencies in the league. And I think to every last person, 
everybody basically said, let's hit pause until folks are ready and they have their their family situation straightened out because nobody wants to like push somebody to be making decisions or lose their picks or, or whatever it is. Um, let's just all just like take a breath. Baseball doesn't start for a while. Let's um let's let people you know get their loved ones out of the hospital and we'll if it takes a couple of weeks we'll come back to it. And I, I was just so impressed with with everybody's response to that because it was it really was the right thing to do. I, I agree. I, I think we we've seen this this spring or this winter. Um, uh, you know, there there are things we can do differently with the draft going forward. You know, we didn't we didn't put any single pick. We didn't even start the clock this year, right, and it, it, right. it worked beautifully. It did. Um, so I, I I was very impressed by that. Just just for for the group as a whole, and kind of shifting back a little more to to BDL matters. Uh, you know, Brian, we we cannot get together on the same show and not discuss at least in passing the greatest BDL championship series of all time, oh which God. of course was your 2014 loss to the generals. Yes. Um, have to throw that in there. Uh, but just to, just to steer that toward, you know, recent, more, more recent events that, that was your second consecutive final appearance after winning the whole thing the year before. Yeah. Why, why haven't you been back? <laughs> well, you know, um, and I go back to, you know, 2006 was my first year in the league. And I've had some really good teams and I've had some really bad teams. And typically when I, what happens with me is, and, and I don't want to compare myself too closely to Joe because I know in, in some ways he is this way too. Um, but I will get to the point where I don't like my roster for whatever reason. It's the players or their ages or there's something about my roster that I just like, man, I just don't dig this team anymore. And so I'll blow them up. And that, I think, is the process I've been going through for the basically since my last championship and, and basically since our last finals appearance together. I've been sort of trying to rework my team to the point where I have a lot of young uh, stars on the hitting side and enough good um, high upside pitching and prospects on the pitching side uh, to, to feel good about my, my chances going forward. And, um, you know, back, back then when I had guys like Carlos Lee and, and players like that who were just hitting it at, at, at high levels, I mean, obviously that's not going to last forever. But, yeah, that 2012, 13, and 14, that, those were the, the glory days in Crawford for sure. We'll get back there. Um, <laughs> next time we hope to beat you on the last day because that's what it came I think it came down to. Tell, now tell me if I'm remembering this incorrectly. I mean, we were like sweat bullets at the end of the day on, on Sunday. Uh, so it was that close. It, it was that close. And I, and I, it's, it's been what, six, uh, seven seasons now or so. So I, I could be getting this a little bit, a little bit turned around after all this time, but this is the close, close version. So you had, you, you sat your, what was it? Your entire rotation your active pitchers for for that sunday to preserve i would have to go back and look i assume to preserve your your averaged um stats yeah, ERA, yeah ratios yeah. um and and about about midday jonathan papelbon um it looked like he had blown the entire series for me uh and i i nearly cut him from my roster on that sunday <laughs> um, then 
It did come down to the last game. It came down to the ninth inning. I, I, it might have come down to the last at bat. I, I would have to. We could go back and look at this, but anyway, it was it was a bloop single or double by Derek Jeter in in the ninth <laughs> inning. That 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 that. Now I, I think I had I was already just barely barely ahead at that point, but but that that bloop hit by Jeter that, sealed the matchup in that the ninth sounds inning. familiar. It was um, it was disgusting. Yeah. oh man if i if i had lost that i i i think i might have quit i'm not sure so that's why i have this uh incredible hatred for Derek jeter i just remembered (laughs) (laughs) but but i i I bring that up a little bit just to just to point out for context too you know we, we talk a lot about how difficult it is to to win a championship in the bdl it's also very different just uh difficult just to just to advance to the to the BDL finals, and if my quick look at statistics is correct, I think that's only happened four times in league history. The Falcons did it, the Damage did it twice, um, and and your thirteen uh, fourteen Cramps uh, uh, did it back to back finals appearances. Um, <clears throat> hope I'm not maybe overlooking one instance there, but I think just the four. Um, so it's it's it was a very impressive feat, and it was a it was a great a great team. And when you think and, about uh, it, it's like running a gauntlet. I mean, you get it's hard enough getting to the playoffs, right? And being putting yourself in a good position as you enter the playoffs, having a healthy team entering the playoffs, and then you have to win three games in a row, which is yeah. hard enough to do during the regular season. But now you're playing against the best competition BDL has to offer, and. It, it, at some point, it just becomes luck. I remember, in, I think, you know, I won it in 2013. I think, I think my 14 team was better. I was also in the finals and got knocked out by uh, by Brent. And I just remember thinking, I think you got knocked out at the same time that I did. And we we were looking forwards to a matchup against each other. And by midweek, it was clear that neither I was going to win or or you. Uh, You you have to be referring to the 2012. Yeah, it'd be 2012, uh, yeah. Playoffs. The Generals were the regular season champions that year. And, and yeah, Chris, uh, uh, Chris. The beers knocked knocked me out in the semifinals. It was not a good time in in my house. And you you almost have to laugh because it's just oh we laughed you know we all laughed, yeah you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean honestly you you just like all right I've worked so hard to put together this team I've made so many trades to put myself in the right position and it's just like the lady luck is not with you this time around. I mean you're you've lost you're halfway through there's no way you can make these numbers up and it's just you got to tip your cap and say you know Brent had the better team this week that's all that, that's all it is <sighs> wallabies <laughs> I don't think Scotty was that nice about it I don't think it's like yeah he had a better team this week that that, that remains that that I don't think remains those words were my, ever spoken yeah no that that remains my stolen trophy that is my stolen BDL trophy. I, I view it the same way. I was looking so forward to the the generals and the cramps finally meeting up in the finals. Of course, we did the following year, um, yeah. but uh, it was 
uh, or the year after maybe, but it year was, after, um, yeah, yeah it, it was, it was something I had looked forward to for a very long time. And I'm just like, oh, Brent, ah, what are you going to do? <laughs> Well, the it, it, it the, the the matchup. I know it didn't go your way, but it, it lived up to the to the hype in in any case. Um, but Mike, um, Mike, tell us a little bit about the the twenty twenty one outlook for the Crawford Cramps. Yeah, the twenty twenty one Cramps are a really interesting team. They might have the best batting lineup in the BDL, uh, if not the best. There's certainly one of the best. But they're currently running with basically a no man bench. Uh, so Brian, is that something you plan on doing during the season, based on the number of stars you have in your lineup? Do you plan on just using all of your bench depth to augment your pitching, or is it something going to be changing? You think? I think as as we well, I'm hoping as we emerge from spring training that a couple of my guys from the minors will be promoted, and um, I'll be able to to keep those guys on the bench because I I really do think that you know you you everybody knows you're going to run into days off, um, you're going to run into rainouts and things like that. You need to have some flexibility there where you can plug in guys because let's face it, so many of these matchups come down to losing one category or, or two categories by one or two runs or an RBI or, or a home run or whatever. And so wherever you can fill spots, um, you need to do that. So I'm, I'm aware of that, you know, weakness on my team right now. I made, I made a trade last week. It was kind of a, a need-based trade, potentially overpaid just a little bit, but I needed to get some, some starters uh, into my outfield and, and, uh, I picked up a, a pitcher that I like, Herman Marquez, from the Rockies, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you know things will shake out by the end of spring training, and then if I need to, I'll make some I'll make some deals to to uh, add some bench depth. Sounds good. So uh, as was discussed, the Cramps were champs in 2013. Since then, you've had a surprisingly bad run, uh, <laughs> I, I, despite having Trout on your roster. I think since 16. The cramps over the last four seasons have only, I think, cracked 500 once in 2017. So you're basically like wasting his prime. Pretty much wasting his prime. Yes, yes. Pretty much like the angels (laughs) of the BDL. Is this just the worst luck in BDL history? Was there something wrong with how you had those teams set up? Like, can can you look back and have a feel for what went wrong on those clubs? I think it comes down to a lack of pitching depth. Uh, plus the fact that Mike Trout is obviously an albatross and bad luck uh, for, for anyone who has him. <laughs> so I'm, I'm willing to send him out of town right now for a bag of baseballs. Uh, I'll send the offer right now. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Done. Signed off on. Um, now, I, I, I like having him on my team. He's just so dependable. You know he's going to get his stats each and every week. Um, I think I've had really good depth. Um, on the hitting side and, and good good players on the hitting side throughout it's been pitching that, that i've had some very poor luck with and so you know i think um when you think about the teams that have been successful they've had a better balance than i've had the last few years so um pitching and it's it's you know when i say bad luck i mean um, t- ma- mainly talking about health um i've had a lot of pit- pitchers that you know they, they just get hurt i mean noah Syndergaard is a perfect example of a guy who's he throws hard he throws a lot of sliders and and that's great except when he gets hurt um he's off he's off your roster for a year and a half or so um and so 
he's a guy I traded. I had very little faith in, and and uh, you know, probably this year I'll wish I had him back. But I tend to lose patience with those guys when they're not when they're not producing. And uh, I think uh, as we as we move forward, I'm I'm going to try to exercise more patience with my pitching staff, and I'm going to try to accumulate more pitchers as we go forward. There have been a lot of weeks where I've been just playing for ratios. Yeah. Especially, well, you have to do that against some turn, some teams, and we'll maybe talk about those later. But um, you know, just trying to hit hit the pitching minimums and, and play for two categories, and then try to sweep the hitting categories. I've been doing that a lot over the last few years, and I'd like to stay away from that. Yeah, in the past, when your teams were kind of championship contenders, you always seemed to have like you know the whole two or three A strategy. Uh, yeah. which 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 would do well in wins and obviously do well in the RE whip. But I remember back in the day you would have had, you, you you had Kershaw on your team, you had Verlander, you had Strasburg, and then basically, you know, you had those two or three guys and then beyond that it really didn't matter. If those guys are rolling, you know, you you you, you were probably gonna do pretty well on the pitching side. Yep. Uh, so uh, speaking of the 21, uh, 2021 season, coming into the season, I think the thought is the Crabs are going to contend in the West. Going into the season, can you rank the four teams in your division coming in? Oh, wow. Um, that's interesting. Uh, I hadn't even thought about it, really. Um, I will say Ort, he's – He's just always got to be considered at or near the top. I think the cramps are going to do well this this year. The woo are on the upswing. Um, the lions. Um, I mean, Alex is he's proven to be um, a very good owner. And I, I kind of mentally, I just kind of rank us all evenly. It's going to be really interesting to see how things shake out and who is willing to go out there and make a big deal to bring in that extra piece that's going to get them over the top. Uh, I think my my team clearly has the the best hitting of that group. Uh, or is always going to have the most pitching. He might not have the best pitching, but he's just going to overwhelm you with numbers. Um, and then the other two guys are they're going to be in it too. They've got a lot of young players who are coming up, and and they've they've made some interesting trades to bring in some pieces they need. So I I think it's a kind of a a toss up at this point. Uh, so, you know, th- th- this may be a good question for you since you mean, me and Scott, obviously he's been in the league for a long time. Uh, I think it was a former U S president that once said those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. I can't remember if that was Kennedy or Trump. Uh, <laughs> John Kennedy. <laughs> oh, it was Kennedy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting those two mistaken in my mind. Uh, so, I think, I think Trump's most famous line is, uh, you know, grab him by the pussy. <laughs> Uh, which, which to be honest, was also something Kennedy may have said back in the day as well. Now, is, is this? Is this See, some, we're all the same. We're you. all the same. Is this something you think the BDL owners are often guilty of, of kind of just looking at the present and not giving enough consideration of the future of the club? Uh, I think some owners probably, um, and I think there are other owners. Um, and a few names spring to mind who are, 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 they look at prospects and they tend to overvalue them so much that it can, it can make it difficult to, to, to trade because they're overvaluing their own prospects and they're devaluing yours. And so anytime you're talking about trading miners, um, 
you know, unless it's a challenge trade with only major leaguers, uh, it becomes very difficult. So um, I, I think you're right. You know, I, I think I'm I'm probably guilty of um, over the last couple of years, I've been looking towards the future a little bit too much. And this year I'm going to uh, definitely be looking to contend. Sounds good. I'd like to play a little game with you and perhaps Scotty as well. I'm going to throw Uh-oh. out a team name. And can you give me the first thought that pops in your head? Oh, wow. Okay. All Yikes. right. We're going to start. Easy. Wait, who goes first? Uh, <laughs> we will flip flop. Okay. So first one will be for Brian. The Amish Brotherhood. The Amish. Uh, first thing that pops into my head is hungry. I, I, I think Joe is, he is just about starved to have a championship in the BDL. Um, so that's yeah, that's my word for him. I, I think he's uh, he's very anxious to contend and to to win. Does it have to be one word? I know it's a phrase, I guess. Right? Obviously, not the politician. Just take about a half hour to answer that. So, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. I'm guilty. <laughs> Let's see. Um, well, in regards to his. Other league, I would say Big Fish Small Pond. Um, <laughs> in regards to the BDL, I would say Little Fish Big Pond. Uh, okay, Scotty, for you first, the Killer Crows of Anaheim. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not fair. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> and that one was on purpose. <laughs> Um, uh, um, I can't wait. I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to throw my old partner under the bus. So I'm going to say overdue. That he is. Wow. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll make a reference to the office. Everybody's favorite television program. Um, Little kid lover. <laughs> he is obsessed with, with uh, minor league players. Yeah, yeah. And it's good. I'm to sorry, you, Johnny. It is good you clarified that, Brian. It's really good you clarified that. All right. Uh, next one for Brian. Let's go with the Grays View Lions. Oh, the Lions. Um, so Alex, yeah. I think he's just going to be a force to be reckoned with. I, th- I think a lot of people have underestimated him to this point. So that's my take on him. Um, I would say energy. I think mm-hmm. I think Alex has a lot of energy. I, you know, I don't know. We all know how how long it can take to build a successful club in the BDL. It's it takes a lot of perseverance and multiple seasons sometimes, unless I guess you're Matt Eddie, but um, <laughs> yeah, Al- Alex, I think has a lot, he's shown a lot of energy in, you know, in our, in our conversation with him in the last uh, uh, episode of, of the inside pod. Um, I, I was very impressed by that energy. All right, Scott, let's go with the Boston double downs. Uh, 
I would say the double downs, I would I would call the double downs. First thing that comes to mind would be a some kind of pest. Um, <laughs> because you know, it, Kevin <laughs> Kevin's not the most vocal guy. Um and you don't always know he's there. But he's always there swarming around your head. He, he is waiting, you know, he, he, the, the team is always pretty good to, to, to contender. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, he's on the, on the edge of the playoffs or, or he's a, you know, or, or they're, they're a playoff contender. Um, so they're, they're just always around. They're, they're always pesky and pesty. Um, but you don't know it sometimes until it's too late. Yeah, I have a very hard time beating Kevin. Uh, for whatever reason, the, the double downs just seem to constantly have my number or make me so crazy in the weeks that I have to play them that it, it just drives me crazy. But uh, the, the word that really pops into my brain when uh, when I think about Kevin is that he's, he's, he's got a little bit of the same weakness that I do. I, I, I like Atlanta Braves players. That's my team. That's, I watch them. Um, but he, he likes his Boston players. So he, he's, he's a little bit of a homer. Uh, let's go with the Wallabies, Brent's club. Whose turn is it? Is it me? Uh, yeah, you, Brian. Sorry, Brian. That's for, uh, for oh, Portsmouth. <clears throat> um, where's Waldo? <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> um, thief. <laughs> Stolen title. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh God. Yeah. I know. I swear to God that week, uh, you know, you can think back years and I'm just like, uh, he just killed me that week. I just, and I thought my team was so much better than his. That's what made it so frustrating. Okay. I get Scotty's up first in the next one. Let's get someone in this division. Let's go with the Memphis chicks. <laughs> uh, delusions of grandeur. <laughs> 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 yeah, I wrote down confident <laughs> with, you, with the minute you said his name I was, because he is very confident in his team. <laughs> so <laughs> I I do not share his confidence, but um, I do, <laughs> I do admire his um his his energy and his enthusiasm. Okay, let's get a good one for Brian. How about the NorCal damage? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is the manager of the club, yes. Do you have any yeah, comments on the club? Uh, it's, yes. it's, it's, I think that, uh, first of all, I, I would like to see their incorporation papers because I do not believe that they are, in fact, incorporated. Um, <laughs> I think there's a little bit of a lie that's been uh, told on us the last few years, but uh, now Bill is the ultimate competitor. Um I can't think of the NorCal damage without thinking Bill. Um, he's, his, his, his personality just kind of infuses that club. Um, it, to the type of players that he drafts and trades for, um, down to the way he, he plays the game, um, he's, he's tough. Yeah, I mean this this one is is so this one is so easy. It's almost uninteresting. You know, to me, it's just consistency. Bill is so consistent. You know, in in all ways, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I mean, what 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 else can you say? I mean, they're they're the the BDL's one one and only true dynasty. Um, just c- consistent. It's like a pirate ship with a very mean bad pirate on it. It's <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Uh, Scotty, the Carolina Cardinals. <sighs> Did we have to start with me on this one? <laughs> yeah, um, we do. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this or not. Then say it. <laughs> I think I've made this comment privately to one or two guys. Uh, over the last year or so, um, my opinion here is not too too off of off base. My opinion of of Bill and his damage um, consistency, um, but I, more specifically to the Cardinals, to Matt, I would say um, Matt Matt is sort of the polite Bill. <laughs> you know, I can, I mean, he, I can he, see that he's. He, he, he's the, you know, Bill, Bill, Bill's personality, you know, he, and, and I, I mean this with no disrespect, Bill, you know, pro- probably not unlike myself, he's kind of easy to, to want to beat, easy to almost hate from a competitive point of view. Um, you know, Matt takes a different approach. You know, he, the, the quality of his team builds um, is, is impeccable. He's a wonderful competitor. Um he just goes about it from a much more polite posture. <laughs> <laughs> He's sort of the polite bill to me. Yeah. The, the word that, I mean, the first word that pops into my mind is, uh, is smart. Uh, I, I really yeah. think, <clears throat> you know, among the, the folks in the league, you know, there, there are folks who you, you kind of consider your equals. And then there are the people that every time you, you start talking trade with them, you start to get the impression that okay, they're way fucking smarter than I am. What, what am I walking into here? There's some <laughs> sort of swinging sword, and I don't see it. So yeah, he's just he is wicked smart. Uh, who's up for? I think Brian's up for. Uh, let's go with the with the woo of the West, John's Club. The, the woo, uh, the woo, uh, youth movement. Uh, they clearly made the decision a few seasons back to sort of just like tank and, and play for draft picks and to trade for very young players. And, and I, I think very much like some cramps teams of the past, um, it's going to be interesting to see if John can start to leverage that, whether he's willing to turn loose of some of those young guys and trade for maybe some stars that could put him in contention. Uh, you know, his team looks pretty good right now, but I don't think he's a contender unless he flips that switch. Yeah, kind of along those lines, I would just say patience is what I think of when I think of Wrigleyville. Um, John is very good and is okay with playing the long game. Um, and and most most owners, I don't think, can do that and do it well. Um, yeah. Impatience really starts to set in and you start to make bad decisions. Now on the flip side of that, maybe John waits too long sometimes to make moves that he should be making. But, um, you know, more often than not, if you play your cards, right, you, you don't make bonehead boneheaded moves, uh, too quickly, uh, to try to compete when you're really not ready. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's where John slots in 
uh, in his woo. Uh, he, he's smart in that way to not pull that trigger too quickly. I will say, you know, if he pushes his chips to the middle of the table, the West gets really interesting. Right. Yeah. That his his situation right now reminds me a lot of the late 2011 generals. You know, I had I was the worst. The generals were the worst team in the league, um, if I remember correctly, in 2011. I think that's when we flipped the switch and went from worst to first in in, yeah, in one right. off season. Um, and John, the Wu, um, they're capable. I, I don't know that they could pull off a jump quite that large, but but. Um, he he could make some serious noise if he chose to. Let's go with the Chula Vista Vipers. Scotty Air first. Uh, it's been tough. Have not had a lot of time to get to know Michael that much yet, you know, with the COVID season. And, um, of course, he the Vipers took over for uh, for the rebels. So, you know, that kind of, uh, has a special place in my heart there. So I would just say, um, you know, I'm watching them closely and, and wish them well. And, um, uh, from what we've seen so far, I think, I think, I think the Vipers will, will live up to the task. Yeah. My first, uh, I mean, I get I really kind of, rather than a word, I think I get an image of, uh, maybe like a, a record or something that it just like headed up the charts with, with a bullet. I, I, I think he's got the right idea of how to compete in this league. And I think that he's going to be um, really good faster than a lot of us think. Um, you know, and I, I loved your dad, uh, Scotty. I mean, he used to very playfully call me the communist in the league. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't playfully. <laughs> Um, I but, can't believe I didn't get that nickname from the thick of it. <laughs> his, uh, his team was, was, was very staid and, and sort of he, he had his guys that he liked and he would not turn them loose in any kind of trade discussion. Um, and, uh, you know, um, Michael is, is not that way. He, he, will, he will flip that switch and, and trade a player. He knows what he wants yeah. to do. And uh, not – not a criticism or, or what have you um, of either way of thinking is valid, but um, he is, he is running a gun and, and it's, it's kind of fun to see. Uh, I don't know how much uh, contact you've had with Steven, but let's go with our newest team, the Moncton Mounties. Hmm. Uh, my, my sense of him is he's very methodical in his approach. He's an accountant. Um, so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's it's. I found him uh, very willing to engage in trade talks so far. Um, we haven't gotten anything done yet. Um, I, I think he he really examines the value of, of his players and, and weighs everything very carefully, and he's very cautious. But I, I have a sense he's going to be um, he's going to be a guy that is going to be well. Clearly, he already is a great addition to the league, but. But uh, as time goes on and he begins to get more comfortable, he's going to be scary. Yeah, I don't have a great sense of Steven yet. We've not talked uh, trade to this to this point. Um, I warned him not to do that, Scotty. So that's probably yeah, said, yeah, yeah. I I guess just so far, I would say kind of in the same vein as Alex. Um, I think I think he's been a great new uh, addition in terms of the forum, um, you know, injecting new blood into the forum and the level of activity that we're seeing there. Um, 
specifically this this off season. Uh, he's not afraid to jump in and start to get to know everyone and and really you know weigh in on news and 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 you know talk about things. And that's uh, that has been very much needed, you know, in the league, um, you know, having, having a few of our older, um, you know, now long gone, uh, personalities replaced with, with owners who are as active, uh, as they were. And, and I think just my early, uh, take on Steven is that he, he seems to fit that mold. My, my mental image of him so far, and I can't escape this. I need to like see an actual picture of him because I picture him as an actual Canadian Mountie. <laughs> I can send you a photo if you want. Uh, uh, Scotty, Kill Devil Hill is the elevation. Oh, man. The one that got away. Yeah, I, I almost hated to whip Ork's rear end in 2017. I think he thought he had that championship teed up. Uh, and was going to smack that ball 400 yards, but um, darn those generals just got in his way. <laughs> so yeah, um, uh, he he's another one. Uh, I kind of go back to what I said about Johnny Overdue. Uh, you know, you know, Ort, uh, you know, a real mark of consistency in the league, and and um, you know, not 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 the biggest prospects guy. Although I just managed to send him a small handful of prospects in a trade, which was wild to me, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to get that done. Um, but yeah. Um, I'll go with tidal wave. Um, because, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell, tell the truth here because going back to when Orch team was the Billy goats, I have had a real hard time beating his club. Uh, I don't know what it is. He just, he's got my number for, for some reason. But every time you match up against him, it's like you look at the the sheer number of pitchers that you're going to face that week, and it's like, okay, I know I can't compete in the counting stats, so you know I'm going to get this just deluge of pitching. So maybe I just should shoot for the ratios and and try to beat you know, beat him with hitting. Yeah, and and you know, or it's really. <laughs> He, he, it's or, or the 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 elevation, I should say. One of those clubs in in the league, you know, if we were to have the conversation, um, you know, predict the future. What 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 do you think the playoffs in 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 two thousand thirty five will look like if any of us are still alive um, at that time? You know, well, I would easily say, well, probably pencil in the damage. Probably pencil in. The Rockets got to give Mike some do there, and probably pencil in the elevation. Yeah, you know, consistent. any com- any any combination of, of the other clubs in the league could be, you know, in the process of reloading, rebuilding, uh, just down. Um, really, uh, and you might even throw the double downs in 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 that group too, possibly. Um, they're just always. They're just there. I mean, you, you they're they're really you you don't expect to see a BDL playoff without that small handful of teams and, and, and the elevation are included in that group. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they're, they're just always kind of there. I mean, I look at sometimes, you know, we'll be talking trade and I'll, I'll be looking at his roster. I'm like, you know, none of, none of these guys really appeal to me. And yet somehow <laughs> he has, yep. he has a way of getting just maximum 
I, I don't know if it's career years out of all of his guys at the same time or what it is, but I mean, you match up against him, you've, you've got a handful. Um, and, you know, being in, in the same um, division as him, it's, it's tough. What's tough playing against the guy when you're playing eight categories and he's playing 10? And that's basically yeah. the way you got to go in against him, knowing Cason yeah. wins, he's probably taken, and you got to win five of the other eight. Makes it a little hard. That's right. Uh, and usually saves, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we're down to a final four. Uh, Scotty's first for the Malibu Bay Beers. <sighs> Lightning Rod. Uh, the Beers and their illustrious owner. They sure know how to how to elicit opinions. <laughs> do they not? They do, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think of Chris as being uh, the man with the plan. I mean, he's definitely always got an idea for how he wants his team to shake out. And it's like there are multiple curtains, and behind which curtain you don't know what trade is happening. And, and he always seems to come out with great – great trades for his side. Um, you, you know, you know why I think that is Brian. Um, you know, I think m- most of our men, and this isn't, this is not an indictment of the, of the, obviously of the quality of our, of our membership. You know, I think a lot of this is just human nature and, and you're, you know, when, when you're in a heated, you know, division rivalry, you're, you're reacting very often to what's, what's happening around you. And, you know, a lot of our owner owners are reactive you know, to sure. league trends, trying to just keep up with the Joneses, uh, Joneses, keep, keep, keep pace, keep championship pace. Um, I think Chris and, and, and frankly, Mike, you as well, to, to a large degree are very proactive, you know, looking at, you know, making a move that maybe three moves later is, is recognized for, for being, for being as smart as it was back then. I was about to yeah. say, Chris actually reminds the way he runs his team reminds me a lot of the way I run my team. You're, you're very, very similar. similar. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I get the feeling that uh, you guys are playing chess and the rest of us are playing checkers. Okay. We got three teams left. Let's go to everybody's favorite team, the Rockland Rockets. The Rockets. Uh, I, man, when I look at your squad, Mike, I just think that you are always loaded. I mean, your team just pitching, hitting. I I very seldom see an area where it's like, wow, that's a definite weakness. Mike needs to think about addressing that. I just I never see it when I look at your team. Yeah, and I, I think along those lines, I mean, the word that comes to my mind is exhausting. It makes me <laughs> exhausted to analyze the Rockets roster because just the, the amount of, of work <laughs> that it takes to, to maintain that level of quality and, and never rebuild the Rockets, never rebuild. They only reload. Um, that, that is exhausting. <laughs> and it, that's a, I mean that with, with the utmost respect, it's just, you know, to be able to do that year in and year out is, is very impressive. It's that uh, smooth Canadian attitude. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, two clubs left. I won't have you weigh in on your own. So, Scotty, tell me what you think of the Crawford Cramps. Oh, wow. Um, be nice. He's our guest. <laughs> Not necessary. No, I mean, let, me, <laughs> let me have it. <laughs> I'm used to it. 
I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you say? You know, you know, the cramps, they, they came in, what was it, Brian? Late 06 or was it 06, mid, yeah. 06 something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And, 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 and sort of assess the landscape of things and, and, and put a plan in place that it kind of going back to what, how we were describing John, it was a long-term plan. It took, what was it? Three, four seasons probably for it to really take hold. Um, but since that time, um, you know, since that, what, around that 2012 ish season, uh, season, um, that, you know, the cramps really have been among the gold standard clubs in, in the BDL, you know, uh, you, you can just, you know, rattle off three or four or five clubs over, over the last decade that, uh, you know, if, if, if that were the window of the league and, and the only window, and we were writing a history of the league, um, and, and creating a hall of fame for the league, um, across, you know, that period of time, uh, you, you would have just those few clubs that would rise to the top, you know, um, in, in terms of the ones everyone would remember and, and, um, the cramps are right there. You know, they're, they're right there in that conversation. Gold standard. Yeah. I think in terms of the generals too, I, probably be repeating a little bit of what you said, but um, the, the generals are definitely a winning ball club. And, and you look at the history of that team and they are always at or near the top of the standings. They are always in the mix for championships um, unless he's in the middle of a rebuild, which has happened once or twice um, in, over the course of time. Um, and, but you know, the other thing is I can't think of Scotty without thinking of a league commissioner who really just has a steady hand on the tiller. And I think as somebody who has been a part of leagues that have fallen apart over time and, and it hasn't always been pleasant because a lot of times you, you invest a lot of your energy into a fantasy baseball league. The fact that this league consistently has had great owners and we have had some folks who have come and gone, but we now have a, a group that I see being with us well into the future. And I think that's a credit to Scotty, but also to the, the excellence of, of teams like the Generals and and like the Damage and, and Cardinals and, and just, you know, the, the teams that we consistently see being in the playoffs, um, obviously the Rockets, but um, it's, it's, it says a lot to be a part of a league like this and, and to have owners like this and, and teams that you're always going to be threatened by every time you match up against them. Appreciate that, Brian. Very nice words. Well, exactly what you wrote, I, I Scotty. Think... Exactly what you wrote down for. <laughs> That's what I had down for myself as well, if, if it matters. Uh, but, uh, Guys, I think I think we're at we're at the end of end of the rope here uh, today with uh, with Brian, uh, Mr. Cramp himself. Uh, Brian, before you go, um, this spring we we tend to ask all of our guests this question as we as we head into uh, the new season. Um, do you have a championship prediction? Do I have a championship prediction? Uh, what 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 is the team right now? What is the standout team to you? Uh, right? If you had to pick one. Right now, in my mind, I look at the Rockets and I think they're just absolutely loaded. I like um, this guy. I think they're they're going to be tough to beat. 
Um, I'm going to be very interested to see, you know, whether whether a few of these other teams push their chips in and, and go for it. Um, I'm approaching that mode myself. Uh, you know, if, if I find the right opportunity, I'm going to go for it. I've got, you know, 10 of the top 100 minor league players, and they're available. <laughs> Well, then... A, a not-so-subtle advertisement, everybody. There you go. I uh, think I preferred having Alex on as a guest way more than... than <laughs> um, he did Rip. pick the generals, right? <laughs> Real, <laughs> Real quick hit. Real quick hit. Who do you guys think had the best draft? Oh, geez. I have to go back and look. Uh Scotty Young. We had a draft? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of tuned out after pick two, you know, at that point. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to really go back and get a real deep dive. Uh, you know, there were a bunch of teams, where there were two or three teams in the first round that had a bunch of picks. So Yeah, I mean, I think just, just by, you know, that, that, that fact alone, you, you have to look at, at the cramps as yeah. being, you know, high in that conversation. You know, Crawford had what? Crawford pulling four, the page four, five, now. six, right? Didn't yeah, they? Th- three, three of the top six picks. Yeah. Um, you know, so and we all know because we've been through this for so many years now. Um, it, it's it's such a roll of the dice, and you know, you, you know, even your even your top choices don't always work out, or, or certainly not the way you maybe would hope. So, um, the 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 round one threads over the years are are, are littered with with picks that uh, you, you know pick. Pick sixteen ended up being much more valuable than pick number two. Um, it's just the way this ball bounces. So, um, but I think volume matters. You know, and that, that's a uh, that's a uh, that's an approach I have taken when I have rebuilt uh, rebuilt my clubs. Um, you know, go for volume and and spread. You know, spread spread your risk around. Um, something will hit. You know, something something will hit if you have enough volume in in the early rounds, and that is clearly an approach that, that Crawford took um, and will more than likely pay off. Uh, of course, you see, uh, you see NorCal there with, with, with several picks as well. Um, I don't know. There's the poser at, with the number one pick. and, and uh, <laughs> Well, he got the best player in the draft for sure. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, but, you know, that's a, that's a nice place to be. Um, as far as myself, I, I got the players I wanted, you know, going into like- it. I like your V pick a lot. I was actually surprised yeah, he didn't go number three, to be honest with you. I was expecting. I was shocked. I, I thought for sure that he would. Um, so I was prepared to take uh, two pitchers instead of taking two hitters and a pitcher with the three picks. Um, but I, you know, going back and just kind of browsing over the draft over the last couple of days, I thought the Vipers had a great draft. Um, they picked up a lot of really quality pitching. Um, the Cars had a surprisingly good draft. Um, <laughs> No, I'm serious. <laughs> Honestly, look at look at his uh, look at his the players he took. I mean, Emerson Hancock with his first pick, and, and goes from there. But um, the the chicks had a great draft, and and the Cardinals are always going to have a good draft, but um, particularly so this time. I thought we'll see. I do love the <laughs> those are the best. Yeah, surprisingly, <laughs> didn't suck in this draft. <laughs> I love the, I love the, 
I get this from my wife for you one day, Johnny. I get this from my wife all the time. Anytime I cook anything, you know, this isn't horrible. Thanks for the confidence, sweetheart. (laughs) Yeah, Um, this isn't so bad. Yeah, thanks. What the hell are you expecting? (laughs) Well, we're gonna have. It's been. uh, I was just gonna say we're having. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. Brian, go ahead. I was just going to say we're we're having an experiment in my house this week. Um, my wife's going to be making meatloaf for the first time in 20 years. See, it's uh, good. And it, <laughs> it, 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 well, the last time it was not great. So we're, we're, we're uh, I have high expectations, and I've I've let her let her know this. <laughs> now, Brian, we are recording this podcast on Valentine's Day. Don't push your luck, buddy. <laughs> Do not push, don't push your luck tonight. Say it's great. It has been it has been an ongoing joke in my house really for the last twenty years because the last meatloaf came out like a meteorite. So uh <laughs> Stacy's a great cook, but for whatever reason that that meatloaf just did not turn out and I have not been hot to uh to partake of meatloaf since then. But uh, this week we're gonna give it another run. <laughs> good deal. Well good, good luck with that, sir. <laughs> fingers crossed Brian thanks you for joining the show today but we really appreciate it and we'll have to do it again thanks guys I appreciate it anytime alright thank you yep take it easy Okay, Brian, thanks again for joining us uh, and giving us uh, that, uh, that amount of time today here on the Inside Podcast. Really appreciate you hopping on, on the show uh, to talk to us about what the last couple years uh, of your, your journey ha- have looked like. Of course, uh, you know, Mike and I are both very much relieved that, that, that your opponent did win, but um, nevertheless, uh, you know, it was a great thing that you, you did for your community there and, and wish you nothing but the best, sir. All right. Looking forward to our next show, Mike. You guys, uh, of course, everyone listening might have been expecting uh, some draft coverage or, or more more than you got, rather. Of course, we talked about it a little bit with, with Brian earlier um, uh, during this show. But, uh, you know, due to the uh, schedule of the draft, it you know kind of got uh, uh, delayed a little bit. We, we have pushed our draft coverage uh, show to the end of this month. So you can expect that with another special guest uh, toward the end of February. Uh, Looking forward to really uh, dissecting what our 2021 draft looked like and uh, what we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes and who gets the praise and and who gets the insults and should be, it should be a good time. It it sure will. I'm not sure if you had any picks in that last draft. Did you have any picks, Scotty? I had a whopping one, right? I had two. Ah, Actually, I had more like I picked Matt Moore. I remember that. Yeah, Which and another and another day. pitcher, another pitcher from the Mets. Um, I had four or five, but ended up sending two or three of those picks uh, away in trades prior to those rounds. Um, so yeah, ended up with two two fifth round picks. So um, wasn't much of a player in this year's draft, but uh, you know looked for some. Um, potential rotation help for this season. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But in any case, um, guys, thanks for listening again. We appreciate it so much. The support, uh, Hey, again, you know, we'd love to do a, uh, a mailbag show, uh, here in the near future. So f- please feel free to, uh, PM, uh, your questions to Mike or myself or the both of us. 
uh, we'll read them um, signed by you or unsigned, uh, whatever you wish, and, and, and react to those questions. So uh, send us what you got, and you'll hear it in an upcoming show. So, Mike, thanks again, bud, and I'll see you next time. All right, buddy. See you soon. Mm-hmm.